Is your pup in need of a trim? Or maybe a bath and D-shed are what your pup needs to feel clean and keep your carpets and furniture looking spick and span. Give Dee's Dog Grooming a call today at 509-325-0017. Located conveniently on Garland and Walnut. Again, Dee's Dog Grooming. 509-325-0017. Welcome to Spokane Valley Speaks, hosted by Al Merkel, where we give you the ins and outs of our city and its government to help you make the best decisions for today and for tomorrow. All right, welcome uh, listeners to another great episode of Spokane Valley Speaks. I am very lucky to have uh, another judge candidate with me. Uh, Miss Deanna Kroll. I really appreciate you uh, joining me today, uh, Miss Kroll. Yes, thank you so much for having me on your show. Absolutely, absolutely. We're lucky to have you. Um, you know, our, our listeners are very curious about the judge positions. Uh, this has often been kind of a difficult race for, for listeners to get a hold of because, uh, you know, it's not a very big broadcast race. And there's also a lot of uh, nonpartisan issues, which I'm sure we'll talk about here. Uh, that makes it difficult for folks to figure out who to vote for. So, uh, again, I'm really glad to have you on the show and to, to help us get through some of that. Um, but let's, uh, let's jump right on in, shall we? Sure. All right. Very good. So I think the, the best thing for, for listeners and for yourself as a candidate is to, uh, you know, a lot of people really probably understand, think they understand what a judge does, but, uh, it'd be good to hear it in your own words what the position of district court judge will do and what you will do in the position and also how that differs from other judge positions. Great. So depending upon where a judge is placed in district court, they can have different duties. Mm -hmm. And so to start off district court, it's limited jurisdiction. That means it handles misdemeanors, gross misdemeanors. You're talking small dollar amount, civil claims, things like that. And the way that they divide up judges is there's currently three judges who split all of the criminal cases and they do that alphabetically. Then there's one judge who covers all of the domestic violence. There's one judge who handles therapeutic courts, which are veterans court, um, DUI court, and mental health court. Then there's two judges who handle the civil dockets. And those can be name changes, small claims, petitions for protection. Normally, new judges will come in in those civil capacities. Mm -hmm. I've actually handled all of uh, the roles because uh, I have had the opportunity since 2019 to be a pro tem judge, Mm. which is, I describe it as a substitute teacher for judges. Gotcha. They call me and say, the judge is out sick. I got this call yesterday. Judge is out sick. Can you come in and cover? And so I've had the opportunity, except for felony reductions and doing trials, Mm -hmm. to cover all of those different positions. So I'm ready to go wherever I'm assigned. But that's the different roles of the district court judges right now. And of course, there's a presiding that fills in as well. Oh, perfect. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. But I guess guess how would you, you know, for, for our listeners... How would you say being a district court judge might be different than being, say, a superior court judge or a different level of judge? 
Absolutely. So in superior court, you're looking at the more serious, violent uh, offenses when we're talking about criminal cases. They still do protection orders, but there's family law and then they have higher dollar amount civil claims. With district court, when you're handling misdemeanor and gross misdemeanors, the maximum punishment when we're talking about criminal cases is one year in jail and a $5,000 fine. Hmm. When you're looking at superior court criminal cases, you're looking at a wide range depending upon somebody's criminal history, what their um, current charges. But superior court judges are bound by an adult sentencing guidelines. So when they issue a punishment, it has to be within a certain range with few exceptions. Mm. And so they have restrictions there. With district court, there really is a lot of discretion, believe it or not, when you're looking at sentencing somebody from no days in jail up to the 364 days in jail. Mm. So when we're talking about criminal cases, that's, I guess, one of the biggest differences. Very good. Yeah. And, I, and I'm glad you bring up the uh, issue of discretion on sentencing because that's definitely something we're going to want to cover here a little bit later. But uh, I think you did bring up the point that, that you know, there's a wide variety of different types of cases that a district court judge would look at. And so, of course, that, that begs the question of what qualifications do you think somebody would, you know, would be important for somebody in this role? So... When we look at qualifications for this role, um, and, and I, I think describing it as a job mm. is important to do because that's what you want to look at. If you're hiring mm. somebody for a position in a job, you want to know, do they have experience? Do they have a proven track record that you can look at? Right. Do they have you know, the solid foundation? And in my situation, Absolutely. I, I been a prosecutor, am a prosecutor, been a defense attorney, am a defense attorney, mm -hmm. uh, am a judge in three jurisdictions. Uh, and so having a foundation of knowledge and experience is going to help the individual who takes that position uh, hit the ground running and excel. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, so, so, I guess it's 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 interesting to hear about your your wide breadth of experience in the different in the different portions. I mean, is it you know when we're looking at the qualifications for somebody doing this job, is it really just experience? Is it just you know you've just been a, a lawyer doing some of these jobs for a long time? Uh, is there any more to it than experience? Would you say? Uh, I I think somebody can say, oh yes, I have twenty years as an attorney, but mm -hmm. I think you need to look at what comprises that 20 years. So when I mention all of the different things that I've done, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that makes me a well-rounded attorney because I have handled some family law cases. I have handled some civil. I have done appeals. I've represented indigent clients. I've, as a defense attorney in a private capacity, taken homicides to trial. But that's that's just makes me a well-rounded attorney mm -hmm. to make me a better candidate for judge back in 2019, I knew this was my passion. I, I knew this was the route I wanted to proceed, but I, I know I needed additional tools and mm. skills. So that's why I asked to volunteer in the Spokane County District Court where I'm running to fill in. Mm. And then in 2021, I was actually appointed by Airway Heights Municipal Court to be the commissioner there. Mm. So I another type of judge, but with more duties, experiences. I got to do a wedding. That was very exciting. <laughs> uh, 
So I've been taking advantage and setting myself up to have these additional opportunities. So does somebody need them? No. Does it help? Absolutely. Mm. To know what you're getting into, because uh, you may think you know what a judge does, but when you get in there and you're actually doing it, it it's quite different. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I guess part of the reason I ask about the, you know, like that extra portion for, for a lot of people, the, the political parties actually help make that up in other positions and other, you know, things that we vote on, right? Because you have the experience of the candidate, but you, you also want to know something about their background. Of course, for these positions, for the judgeship positions, uh, this is a, a, a nonpartisan race, or would you say that it is partisan? No, it's nonpartisan. And, and you want it to be that hmm. way. You want a judge who will rule and apply the law fairly without bias Mm. to all the situations. You don't want somebody who's got an agenda that that doesn't make a good judge. Gotcha. Okay. So, so it's a nonpartisan race. So I guess it's, it's about experience. It's about well-roundedness. Um, and, and it's about, you know, not, not being partisan, being able to separate these things apart. Of course that, that kind of, um, you know, you spoke a little bit about like you could be a lawyer for 20 years and maybe not be a good judge. I think, I think it'd be good to kind of dive into that question a little bit more specifically because, uh, you know, is there, is there really a big difference between, you know, like, are there, can you be a really good lawyer and not a good judge or vice versa? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because as an attorney, you're an advocate for one side Mm. and you can be great at doing that. You can be passionate, you can be effective, Mm. but when you're a judge, you take off that attorney hat. You're no longer an advocate. You're sitting in the role of overseeing attorneys and making sure that the law is applied to everybody equally, everybody fairly. And uh, I'll just tell you, I have heard constitutional rights a million times. Mm. I thought as an attorney, oh, yeah, I can recite them in my sleep. So one of the first few times in district court pro teming, I go to advise the inmates. Here's your constitutional rights. And I'm looking at my notes word for word, reading it because you don't know them. Yeah. <laughs> you think you know them. Uh, and then a lot of times, too, it's situations where if I were writing a brief, I know things I'd say. But when I'm reviewing attorney's work that comes before me and I'm deciding on a motion, I can't say like, oh, I would have argued that. Mm. Uh, it's OK. What's before me? How does the law apply to the arguments that they're presenting? So you can be a great attorney and not have the ability to set things aside. And I think going back to experience on both sides, it's a better knowledge to be able to sit in that position more fairly. I have, there was a a trial going not too long Mm. ago, and I had the prosecutor on one line, defense attorney on the other line, both asking me questions, Mm -hmm. and they're uh, in trial with each other. And so Mm -hmm. I know they come to me because I have knowledge. I will tell them exactly what the law is, what my opinion is, but I'm not biased that way. So Mm. I get a lot of questions and people know I'm willing to help them out. Okay. That, that, that sounds fair. That sounds pretty, uh, one-to-one relationship in that particular sense, uh, in terms of being able to, to split it up fairly and not, not take sides. I would, I would imagine that's what a lot of people appreciate in a judge. Um, Mm -hmm. when we talk about balancing, which I think, 
you know, that's, that's really what we're talking about here. Another great question that people have is balancing victims' rights versus defendants' rights, which I think is a, a pretty important part of being a judge. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as a prosecutor, I actually did domestic violence prosecution, but as a defense attorney, I've seen defendants and what their rights are. Mm. And so, for example, a resolution to have an individual plead guilty to a charge may come before me. The victim may want a protection order. Mm. The defendant may not want a protection order. I weigh that and I'm going to give more weight to the victim who's asking for protection. Mm. Now, there may be a circumstance where the victim's asking for something that by statute I can't give them. Say the person has no criminal history, alcohol was not alleged to have been involved. And so in that situation, I have to tell the victim, I'm sorry, I don't have authority to grant something that you want because there's protections for the defendant. Mm. Um, Statutes and case law don't allow me to impose stuff like that. But then also, in addition to defendants and victims, you're also monitoring the attorneys. Same resolution comes before you and they haven't addressed any issue of restitution. Mm. And so I say, well, what about the, the victim here? Do, is there restitution? You need to make sure that even if it's not brought to you, you're aware that there's another party out there that needs to have representation. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that I'm glad to to hear some of those those balancing ideas and um and and certainly I'm glad to hear that you've got the victims in mind in most situations here at least trying to figure out how to how to think about them. Um, mm-hmm. Now you, you brought up a little bit earlier about sentencing decisions and uh, uh, how much you know broad discretion you may have, and you talked a little bit about that now. But uh, I think for for our listeners at home, they'd really like to hear more about how you intend to use those discretions or if there's some sort of framework that you've built for yourself to, to think about sentencing. And I look at a lot of things, actually. A lot of things come into play when I'm imposing a sentence. What is this person currently charged with? <laughs> uh, what is the seriousness of the uh, allegation? Have they done anything since being charged? Uh, They've been proactive and gotten treatment. Um, I look at what is their threat level to the community? Do they need to be monitored if I'm putting conditions on them to do certain things? So a lot of things come into play when I'm sentencing somebody. A lot of times individuals uh, may need monitoring because the court says, okay, we want you to do A, B, and C. And in order to make sure you do A, B, and C, we're going to put you on probation. Mm -hmm. Other individuals have come to court. They've done everything. They have no history. This was an isolated situation. They may not need to have uh, probation. But as far as sentencing, I can tell you an individual came before me. He refused to do what the court had asked him to do. He had continued to pick up new criminal charges. I did impose a balance of jail on him. Mm. He not complying and he was a threat to the community. So you need to be able to see based upon a totality of information, Mm. what is appropriate for the individuals. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I'm glad, you know, you're talking about the totality of the situation because we're really talking about accountability here, right? And how you figure out that balance. And you mentioned monitoring and other things. Do you have a close relationship with probation? I mean, do you do you intend to use probation differently than it's been currently used, or uh, do you have any 
you know, different ideas on that on that topic? I have a very close relationship with probation. I see them every day, sometimes multiple times a day mm-hmm. in my capacity as an attorney. I know their programs. I know the people there. Working with them as a judge is a little bit different of a role mm-hmm. because rely on probation to let you know when an individual they're monitoring hasn't complied with what the court has imposed. The judge needs to be very specific. So the parameters of monitoring for probation are laid out. Mm -hmm. And then probation has to be timely in letting you know if something has happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So the role changes when you're a judge, but you're still working closely with them. You still need to be in communication and up to date. And I think the bottom line is you just have to respect each other's roles and appreciate what's happening and have clear communication. I know sometimes there's issues, but I, I think if you show respect to the individuals for what they're doing, um, that'll go a long way. Gotcha. Okay. I, it, I mean, again, it sounds like a very balanced approach. Um, of course, you know, when we're talking about probation and accountability and all of these factors right now, there's, you know, crime is on everybody's minds in the County. Uh, we've been seeing here in Spokane County, crime rates, you know, from our perspective, at least skyrocket. Um, and now even certainly on, on the violent crime portion. Now, I've done a, a, a few interviews with uh, potential prosecuting candidates, uh, sheriff's candidates, and, and now, of course, judge candidates. And I, I have been, you know, told uh, a lot of different uh, ideas of where some of this might be coming from. And certainly a lot of citizens have questions about this. And they would say, you know, that there's 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 a lot of folks who point the finger at judges and saying that it's judges letting people out, you know, that 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 that's that's really the issue. How how would you respond to that? And I do hear and understand the frustration. Uh, I've talked with some people from the community expressing it. I see it. People who are released continuing to pick up criminal charges. Um, so I understand exactly what they're saying. I can't comment uh, on what a specific case is or how I would rule. I'm not allowed to. Sure. Uh, I can only tell you what I've done in the past. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm considering releasing somebody into the community, mm-hmm. there is a set of parameters that I have to follow. So when we're talking about judicial discretion, it's within those case law statutory requirements that we have certain factors to weigh. Mm. Um, I will look and see, are they going to come back to court if I let them out? That's a big one. Are they uh, individuals who have ties to the community? If I uh, let them out, are they going to commit new crimes? What is their track record? Do they keep picking up crimes Mm. as they're looking to resolve the ones um, that they're first facing? You have to weigh a lot of things, and I have the benefit, too, of relying on pretrial services who sits down with the individual. They give an opinion on their release, whether or not they should be released, whether or not they're not a good candidate for release. But where I think we have more discretion outside of weighing the community safety, which is always number one, uh, are they going to come back to court, is... If we can release them, can we put them on monitoring? Mm -hmm. So they would be 
release somebody to pretrial services who then make sure that they check in weekly, or we release them on monitoring to make sure they're not using alcohol, or we release them to monitoring where we know where they're at so they're not uh, going to a listed victim's house or driving by. So there are some additional tools to help try and protect the community, but obviously if those tools aren't going to make me feel comfortable that this individual can be released, then unfortunately they stay in jail until their next court date. Okay. I, again, a very fair answer. Very, uh, very balanced. Um, and I think I, I would dare say that's what most people expect from a potential judge candidate. Of course, this, you know, this kind of, uh, gets you into the idea of this is an elected position. Um, you know, and, and this kind of breeds the question of, uh, that balance between being reelected, you know, versus uh, uh, maybe doing what's quote unquote right for the law or, or however you think of that. I mean, is that a balance to you? Is that, is that a question for you or how do you, how do you strike that balance? It's never a question because it's not about me. It shouldn't be about me. It shouldn't be a question of, oh, gosh, should I rule this way? I don't want to get appealed. Or what will these individuals think if I rule this way? That should never come into the equation Hmm. of reelection. You should ask yourself, am I doing the job that I've been elected to do? And then leave it at that. And that's what you want from a judge, too, not somebody who has another outside concern or a factor weighing in on their decision. it's not about me. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that makes a lot of, a lot of sense. Um, so just kind of a last, last question in, in, in terms of, uh, your candidacy. Um, I think it's, it's important to mention that one of the crucial roles that all of the judges have is to serve on different committees on the state basis, because, uh, these committees are really crucial in terms of making decisions about uh, how sentencing should be recommended, about what kinds of changes should be recommended to the state Congress or even federally, um, you know, what, and, and many other things. I'm sure you could tell us more. But uh, are there certain committees that you would want to target and why would you target those committees? Well, one of the benefits of my appointment as commissioner in Airway Heights is not only did I get to spend two weeks in judicial college this year already, but last year I was able to sign up for two committees for the DMCJA. And that's just a bunch of letters that mean District Municipal Judicial Court Association. Okay. Uh, so, and I actually just renewed for the same committees. I'm on the therapeutic committee mm-hmm. and I'm on the public outreach. And the reason I chose those, I'm very passionate about therapeutic courts, Mm. whether it's the mental health court, veterans court. uh, I've seen these courts do amazing things when you have willing participants who put in the effort and they have that extra accountability and guidance. Because sometimes people think, oh, therapeutic courts, you know, are they getting off easy? No, it's a harder program, but the reward can be so much better. So I wanted to be on the therapeutic court committee because I'm passionate about that. It's helped a lot of my clients over the years, and I was able to see so much funding come in this year Mm. that was given by the legislature to enact new courts in Airway Heights who are getting a community court up and going for the first time because of grants that were uh, made available. Mm. And so... That's I wanted to know what was going on, why are decisions being made, and so that's why I renewed for another year to be on that committee. Uh, with the public outreach, I just like to to be out there, 
relay information be accessible. Mm -hmm. So we've done some good things there. I like that. That's the kind of person I am. I want to be involved. And I think every judge should. It's not a nine to five. It's a, you go and you give 110%, whether or not you're doing homework the night before mm. for the next day of docket, you get in early, you need to be prepared, be efficient and be prepared because sometimes things go smoothly. Sometimes they don't. Right. You just have to have a calm demeanor and be able to handle it. Um, but I, I do, I feel passionately about Spokane and improving it. Okay. Well, very good. Um, <laughs> So that's all the uh, that's all the topics and questions that I wanted to talk about. But I'd love to give you the last word to uh, send a message to your voters, uh, you know, to, to say whatever you'd like to them. As you mentioned, judicial races are nonpartisan. So my sister asked me, Deanna, why should I even vote for judge? You know, I don't know anything about judges. <laughs> and that's, that's common. Yeah. And so I want to let individuals know it does matter. Mm. There are a lot of things that impact the community that happen inside the courtroom. And because you don't have that partisan letter associated with somebody's name, it requires research. It requires knowing who's experienced, who's the candidate, uh, who is going to reflect well in this position. And so my last few comments are, it does matter. It's very hotly contested this year for a couple of positions like I've never seen before. Um, and I, I think it's going to come down to individuals who are able to listen to your show to gather more information and make informed decisions, reading the voter pamphlet, because it's not as easy when you're looking at judge and you may not know, well, who do I vote for? But this hopefully gives them the opportunity. And so I'm doing these things and hopefully earn the support of the community for Spokane County District Court position six. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, I really appreciate you coming on to the show. I think that was very informative and uh, I, I am glad that our listeners had a chance to uh, hear from you. Um, for my listeners at home, if Spokane Valley Speaks is a podcast that helps you in your daily life or helps you look at some of these crucial decisions, please share it with people that you know. Uh, talk to folks, uh, you know, family or friends, you know, in passing about this, about the show and definitely like and review the show through whatever uh, uh, podcast venue that you are getting our show from. Uh, with that, I really appreciate it. And we'll see you on the next episode. Boy, prices are sure getting out of control. That being said, there is an upside. This is a great time to make investments. And what better investment than investing in your own business ideas? I started Spokane Startups to give people like you a leg up in starting a business here in Spokane. I understand that startup costs are one of the hardest parts of starting a business. So I offer all of my support on a pay-what-it's-worth model. So give me a call today and let me see what I can do to help you make your dreams come true. 509-315-6416 or spokanestartups.com 509-315-6416 Spokane Startups, helping you start businesses today.